Last year, I sat down to chat with Dr. Josh Boyd, professor and director of undergraduate studies in the Lamb School. As part of our longer conversation, we talked about a very important course in our curriculum that he teaches, COM 204, Critical Perspectives on Communication. In an attempt to make this information more easily accessible, I've edited down our longer discussion to focus just on COM 204 and release this as a new audio syllabus episode. You can still find our longer conversation posted separately. Here goes. The the main reason I asked you here today was to talk about COM 204. I got the idea because we were at the Lamb School Banquet recently at mm-hmm. the Lammies, and there were two different jokes about COM 204 during the Lammies, and you made one of them. So COM 204, I would describe as this uh, unique class for sure. So uh, when I talk to students about it, and I'll give you my spiel, and then you can correct and expound. Sure. Um, one of the things that's unique about it is it's part of our pre-communication requirement. And I think I'll have an episode that's specifically on that. But this is one of three courses that students take typically in their sophomore year to try to advance on to one of our majors. And this is the one that if students have frustrations with a course in terms of trying to get the grade they need, this is often the one. So I wanted to talk about what is COM 204, why do some of these frustrations exist, and what kind of students can be to be uh, can do to be successful in it. So first, just give me a COM 204 pitch. What is this unique class? So this is a Purdue unique class. So the other two pre-coms are persuasion and intro to COM theory. We think those are super important, but lots of places offer similar kinds of classes. Um, for this third one, we really constructed this specifically for the Purdue majors. We were trying to think, what else do we want students to all know, whether they're in PR, mass comm, human relations, whatever, what do we want them to all know before they start taking those major classes? And so we came up with four areas that we felt like students needed as a foundation. One, thinking and writing critically. One, rhetoric, which is really the uh, the origin of communication studies. It, it makes communication in some ways one of the oldest areas of study in the College of Liberal Arts. Um, qualitative research methods, because when students take COM 304 later in the sequence, that's focused on quantitative research methods. But when they get into classes at the 400 level, a lot of times they'll be dealing with qualitative studies and research. And so we wanted them to have some foundation for that. And then critical perspectives. So students hear things like feminism and race and postmodernism and critical theory. Sometimes we just assume they know what those things are and how they're different. So those are the four units. Each of them is basically a month during the regular semester of COM 204 or in the summer, a week of, of the class. And so it's separated into those four units. And it is a writing intensive class. So that's sort of the subject matter that we try to cover. And the way we do that is through a lot of writing and feedback. So there are 20 writing assignments during the class in the regular semester, uh, 13 during May semester, just because I don't want to have more than one thing due every day. Uh, That's not good for students or for me. Uh, But we still try to achieve the same learning outcomes that students are going to be able to do things like identify significant rhetorical concepts from ancient and modern times, like make an argument with clear support, uh, like be able to recognize how different perspectives don't just have different opinions. They actually see the world in different ways and be able to distinguish what some of those differences are. So um, a typical week in COM 204 during the regular semester is a Monday, Wednesday lecture for 50 minutes and I use different kinds of media um, and, and 
it's pretty it's a pretty tightly structured course and we stick to the syllabus pretty closely um, because again we have all these things that we're trying to achieve and try to prepare students for and then on friday it's recitation and usually there's a writing assignment on friday um, that's generally over in matthews and one of my graduate teaching assistants is over there for that um, the tas do most of the grading although we work together on the grading because we understand that students are concerned about a class that's based primarily on writing and about 75 percent of the grade in this class comes from writing and so other than the two exams the midterm and the final everything is writing so the ways that we try to be consistent and predictable on gr the grading of writing are um, that first of all we use a five-point rubric for everything in the class and that takes some getting used to but we have found that it makes us way more consistent to agree on a one to five scale than versus like, say a hundred yeah yeah so students are like okay what's the difference in a 92 and a 97 on a writing assignment yeah i don't know but i can tell you the difference in a five and a four and we have um we have descriptions in the syllabus of what a five is what a four is and so on so we use the five point scale um, on assignments we'll copy four or five student writing assignments we'll each grade them separately and then we'll get together and compare our grades and if we're out of whack then we'll grade more until we're consistent and on the big papers there are uh, of the writing assignments two of them are and i say big they're not that big a thousand words so four four or five pages um, but students can appeal those grades to me if they want to if they feel like their grade doesn't match what the rubric describes then they can write an appeal to me for those grades and usually i have eight or ten papers appeal each time we do a, a major paper and um, and so when students do that they get a lot more feedback directly from me it is a regrade so i have stats in the syllabus this is how many papers have been appealed this is how many stayed the same about two-thirds this is how many went up about another 25 percent. this is how many went down five percent so or so so they're they're taking a bit of a risk the group their grade they could go down they are and they can go talk to a ta they can't come talk to me because i'm the one that's grading it i mean i'm happy to talk about anything but if yeah. they're going to appeal i want to kind of see it fresh uh, but they can talk to their tas who usually give really good advice i would say most of the people whose grades have gone down were just mad and they either skipped the step of asking their ta what they think or the ta was like i think this is i mean I think this is actually probably on the good side of what you could have gotten on this paper and they're like i'm going to appeal it anyway i mean though or occasionally and this takes some serious gumption but occasionally students have had some academic integrity problems where they got the paper from somebody else they turn in somebody's paper from a previous class and we missed it the first time through they appeal their grade that you don't miss it the second and time. i don't miss it the second time so those are some of the reasons that grades go down um but usually there's, you know, I want I want students to get the grade that they should that they deserve. And so that's why we have the appeals process. So um, I tell them, you know, if you get a grade that's better than you deserve, then good for you. Keep it and be happy. But if you get a grade that's worse than you deserve, then we want to make that right. So students can appeal. And again, most of the papers, I grade them with the same grade that they got the first time. But there are a few that go up. So if students really feel like they've been done an injustice then they can appeal and and I'll see if I agree with them. So at the end of the semester, is there any type of rounding? You know, I think a lot of times students yeah. will have this idea, you know, well, if I'm if I've got an 89.9 percent, I'm going to end up at an A minus. How does that end of the semester grading process, which you're probably heading into here soon yeah, right now? What does that what does that look like? 
So I have in the syllabus cutoff. So we end up with the, the five point scale. And I realize it's kind of a different way for students to deal with it. But we end up with 200 possible points. 200 possible 200 points. 200 okay. takes 180 to get an A, 140 to get a B minus. So it's not a percentage scale because you'll see that would be 70%. That doesn't make any sense. So if you get four and a half on everything, you're going to end up with an A. That's your kind of average. If you get a three and a half on everything, you're going to end up with a B. Although and halves so are not kinda, given per assignment, right? No, but that's just, just averaging average. them all together. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so at the end of the semester, um, I do guarantee that at least 10% of the class will earn an A. So if there aren't 10% of the class at that 180 level, then I'll lower that cutoff to, to make sure that it takes in at least 10% of the class. But I will say in the last two, two and a half years, um, there have been 10% or more students who earn A's with the regular scale. So I was looking uh, earlier this week and it looks like maybe 17 or 18% of the class right now is still within range of an A. So I expect that I'll just keep the scale the same, but rounding. Yeah. If somebody has 179.6, yeah, they're going to get an A. I'm not going to going to cut it there. And for pluses and minuses, um, it's not really a curve, but I do group the scores from top to bottom. And I look for natural breaks near the top and the bottom of each range. So I don't put in my syllabus, this is going to be the cutoff for a plus or a minus because then I'm kind of bound by that. And I don't want anybody to miss a plus or minus by one tenth of a point. So I'm going to look for where there's a decent size gap between and then that top cluster will get the plus and the bottom cluster will get the minus and everybody in between will be just the, the plain grade. I don't give A minuses in any of my classes because I think they're unfair to the, uh, the top students because if you get a B minus and then you get a B plus, they sort of cancel each other out in your GPA. But if you get an A minus, an A plus doesn't cancel doesn't it cancel out. out. This you is don't true. get an any a, extra. A plus is a 4.0 and an A is also a 4.0. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, so anyway, if you get the bare minimum for the A cutoff, you get a regular A. You're not going to get a minus, at least in my classes. So in general, it sounds like the grading system is set up to kind of move students. It, it's never going to hurt students, but it may move them up slightly above where they expect by not getting an A minus and getting a full A or by being slightly on the edge of kind of a natural grouping and being moved up to this possibly, area. Possibly. And I was talking to a group of students um, just a couple of days ago. And asking them, you know, how did this course compare to your expectations or what you'd heard? And they, this group at least, all agreed that, um, you know, they were scared coming in. They took it very seriously and that it ended up not being quite as daunting as they had thought it might be. Uh, and one student was an incumbent and she, she said this, this is my second time. I dropped last time I got halfway through. And what happened to me the first time was that I didn't take it super seriously at the beginning. I kind of blew off some assignments. I didn't really do my best work on some. And then I realized I had dug myself a deep hole and it was going to be hard to get out. And so this semester she was like, I came in ready to go and it really hasn't been that bad. And so I, I think that's, that's a story that I hear frequently that when students have a really hard time with COM 204, it's frequently because they miss some assignments that's difficult to come back from or like the first major paper, ah, didn't get around to coming and having somebody read it and give me feedback. And then I didn't have some of the requirements done. So I got a really bad grade. And then it was tough to come back from that. We do one question students often ask is about extra credit in COM 204, especially this time of the semester. There is no extra extra credit, but there are bonus assignments built in. So our, our final grading scale is based on the idea of 200 points. 
but we actually give students the opportunity for 216 points. So there's kind of 8% extra credit built in if students do everything. And so, um, but that's also a reason why we don't do anything extra at the end because that's already been there. Do you have students get above 200 each we semester? Do. We do, usually one or two. Um, and I do give pluses for the top students in the class. They're just symbolic. You yeah. don't get any extra points, but it lets you know, hey, you were one of the top couple of grades in the whole class. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for explaining that a little bit more. Um, hopefully, students, it sounds like students are kind of uh, performing better as the semesters go. And I hope part of that is a function of how advisors talk about the course, because um, every time I put down COM 204 on a student's worksheet mm -hmm. of their plan of study, I say, let's talk about this course a little bit more. Have you heard anything about it? Let them give me their perception and then make sure that they know that they're going into something with some seriousness. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that 200 level throws students off too. They think, oh, yeah. the 200 level will be fine. Now, uh, I think we covered when it, when a student asks me, well, what, why is COM 204 difficult? I'll talk about the grading and mm -hmm. you've talked about that. I'll talk about the way students are thinking because a lot of times undergraduate coursework is short-term memorization, right? Here's a thousand things, memorize those things. And I'm going to ask you a percentage of them. And in this case, you're not asking students to memorize info as much as kind of apply different lenses, right? What is Definitely. this? What does this communication object look like to a Marxist versus a postmodernist? Yeah. So it's less about memorization, more about your ability to apply these lenses. Definitely. Okay. So I'm making sure my talking points are correct. Yeah, no. And then in terms of the writing, often the way I'll talk about it is both um, in thesis statements, because I think mm -hmm. students get into a habit of writing descriptive thesis statements. Right. And I'm sure you would love it if all of them wrote argumentative. We wanted to make claims, right? Where yeah. you can actually say, you know, this is true or this is false. But also in the style of writing, I'll tell students that in high school comp and maybe here at Purdue in first year comp, you'll fall into the habit of writing, let's say one page of content and then going back and adding some adjectives and adverbs and some flourishes until it gets that two page, mm -hmm. right? As an instructor, when you assign a two page paper, all of them are two pages in one sentence to make it look like I just got over that hump. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them this is probably the opposite. What yeah. Dr. Boyd wants from you is to have, if it's a four page paper, he probably wants five or six pages of thought. And then for you to figure out a way to say that more efficiently. Definitely. And that's not a style of writing that students are used to. Right. Yeah. No filler. I mean, and, and in our rubric, unlike some high school things or standardized testing, maybe that students have done, you know, we're not giving extra points for figures of speech or literate, you know, we're, we want you to make an argument and back it up. And we talk about how the kinds of things we're doing in COM 204 are a little bit more formal, but they're the kinds of things people do all the time. So if you tell your friends, I think we need to go see the Avengers movie tonight, the night it opens, then, and your friends are like, but it's, how are we going to get tickets? And you're like, well, I think there's still some at Lafayette seven. And your friends are like, I've heard that sketchy. You're going to have to make an argument. Right. And by the way, it's not sketchy at all. I don't know. I, I've heard that it has that <laughs> reputation, it's but a good, it's a good movie theater. I've been there Yeah, off the beaten path a little bit. <laughs> Um, but you're going to have to say, well, I don't want people to spoil it for me. And if I don't see it the first day or two, people are going to start throwing around things that happen that I don't want to know about. Um, I want to be in the know. I want to be part of the conversation the next day when people are talking about it. And so you, you make your claim. We should go see this tonight. And then you have your reasons. I don't want to be spoiled. I want to be able to be part of this kind of dominant conversation. Um, and so you make arguments like that all the time casually. And you probably have a sense of which of your friends are better at getting their way. And some of that is persuasion, but a lot of it is just thinking about being clear about what you want or what you're advocating for and why you think 
other people should see it the same way. And we just kind of train students to do that in ways that are a little bit more lasting. If you're making you know, a recommendation to your boss about something and you, you've got to put that in writing and kind of commit to it, how can you do that in a way that makes you seem on the ball and professional and, and to make other people see things your way. Like these are the reasons why you should let me slip down to the studio and make a podcast. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, give me, let's keep on that Avengers example. What would be an example of a weak thesis uh, versus we should go see the Avengers tonight what would be a weaker version of that same thesis? Oh, a weaker version would be something like um, the Avengers movie is um, is a big deal tonight. Okay, yes, that's not really critical. I mean, everybody already kind of knows that. We, sometimes we call something like that a Captain Obvious sort of claim. Um, you need to be able to actually make a claim that somebody might disagree with or else it's not really a claim. It's more of a summary or something like that. And on the, on the first paper, what percentage of thesis statements would you say are strong? You know, it really depends on students, high school experience. And a lot of students come in with a pretty, pretty solid high school experience. So I'd say 50 to 60% on the first papers seem to have had pretty good background and training in making a claim. Uh, other people, it takes a little longer to get around. When we get to the critical perspectives, the class does add layers as you go through. So in the beginning, our focus is really on making a claim and supporting it. And then when we get to the perspectives unit at the end, you're making a claim using a certain lens. You're drawing on your knowledge of that perspective in order to make your argument and then back it up. So it definitely increases the degree of difficulty as we go through. What's your favorite lecture to present during the course of the COM 204 semester? It's the day on ideological criticism where we talk about Marxism. What about Marxism gets you excited? Uh, you know, I don't. So part of it is that when we get to the perspectives unit each day, I try to sell the perspective of the day. So instead of just kind of describing it, this is what people think if they have this perspective. Do you come in in a play, plain closed uh, Nehru <laughs> I've thought about, Nehru I've thought about that Marx's or wearing day. different hats or something to try to go with the school of thought. But really, I don't, I don't care as much that students know where things came from. I want them to be able to, if somebody says, oh, that's a very postmodern way of looking at that. I want students to know what that means right away and not be confused. So, um, so that's the first day is Marxism day. And so I tell them each day, I'm going to try to sell you this perspective. And so then I try to sell them a perspective that um, for many of them is very different than what they're accustomed to. Um, I try to challenge some of the things that they have taken for granted and explain how capitalism is the root of why they think that. Um, I talk about why they come to college. I'm glad they're here, but that to some extent they've been influenced by a culture that's been influenced by capitalism to make them believe they need to go to college. So we start with that. Um, there are other things. There's one thing on that day in particular that I say that usually starts lots of muttering all around the room. I enjoy that moment. I taught Common 114 in the past, and I've definitely had that experience with both intriguing students by saying something on the first day that mm -hmm. they might remember um, and also having thesis statements and walking them through it. But I think in today's climate, you hear more about these critical perspectives at all times mm -hmm. and there's a bit of a backlash too. And so we're trying to find where the balance is on these different uh, critical theories. So to have a course that students take as an undergrad, mm -hmm. I think is excellent. And I will give you the compliment of, it is one of the very few courses that I will have students say, I didn't do particularly well, but I loved it. Usually those two things are highly correlated. If I didn't do well in a class, I also mm -hmm. don't like it. And I will have students who say, 
I'm totally failing, but man, was it a good course. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> well, not many students fail. I, I do want to say that too. Sometimes I hear students say, oh, I'm going to totally fail. Come to four. There are very few F's really. I mean, out of a hundred students, there might be one or two. So it's not a class that students really fail. They may not do as well as they yeah. want to do, but. And the one who yeah. failed probably stopped showing up, I would guess. Usually, yes. Yeah. And I think it's it sounds like the approach that you'd have to most classes applies. Getting a good start early, mm-hmm. remaining high attention to detail. Going to class, obviously. High attendance rate. Yeah. And is attendance required? It's not. But if, you, if you're but not there. Encouraged. And, and if you're not there and we have an assignment that day, you just miss it. So we try to motivate. We try to encourage students to do good behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we, no, we don't take attendance. But if you miss an assignment, it's just gone there. No makeups on assignments. That's great. Well, my hope is that students heading into COM 204, uh, this can kind of be a supplement to advising because often in the appointment, I have time to give my pitch of COM 204. There's sure. a few minutes. Uh, but if they've listened to our conversation that we've probably covered 20 minutes on COM 204, then they come in with a better perspective, maybe not intimidated, but kind of uh, they know that they've got a challenge for the semester, but one, hopefully they're looking forward to kind of tackling. So moving on to another topic. And, and I will give an insider sure. tip here. There are points on the very first day of COM 204. Oh, so show so, up on day one. Well, in my opinion, you should go on the first day of class. And I know there's Absolutely. a school of thought. Some students have, oh, it's just syllabus day. I'm not. No, we we start on the first day. So I want to reward good behaviors. I start that on day one. I hope you enjoyed this audio syllabus and can now choose and prepare for your courses in a more informed manner. Look for more audio syllabi coming soon.